Well, this has always been a fascinating study. Wall Street Journal had it again recently, but from a worldwide perspective, if you earn $50,000 or more per year here in the US, what percent of earners are you in worldwide? Leonardo da Vinci so eloquently said it. There are three types of people, those who see, those who see when they are shown, and those who do not see. Here's an example of that. This is Luke chapter 23, verse 44. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. There was a writer named Thallus in the first century. And in 52 AD, he wrote a history for the Roman government. And he mentions this darkness in the land. And years later in 200 AD, Julius Africanus shared this about what Thallus had to say about that darkness in the land. Julius said this, on the whole world, there was the most fearful darkness. The rocks were rent by an earthquake. Many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. And notice he says this, Thallus in his book of history calls it an eclipse that appears to me without reason. Fascinating. What's wonderful about this statement by Thallus is here's a source outside scripture and not that the gospel writers need affirmation, but it is fascinating to see somebody outside the gospels say, I confirm this event happened. And then Thallus though said it was an earthquake, not something supernatural or an eclipse, not something supernatural, but it is a fascinating picture of pointing us again to Christ, that he is the life. And there are those who see, those who see when they are shown, those who do not see. Hopefully Thallus came to a place where he did see, but fascinating statement here in a historical study. We're going to look at something familiar today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. And Paul himself is going to talk about why that thorn in the flesh was such a servant in his own spiritual growth and how it can be for you, for me. We enter into this holiday season. A lot of people have different struggles, maybe family relationships, just uh, complications with relationships or with other people. Maybe you've lost somebody recently and the holidays are challenging. And what he talks about here applies to us here in this busy season, but it applies constantly in our life as believers in Christ. Viktor Frankl, who lived through a concentration camp experience, talked about the need for hope. And that's what Paul is going to discuss here with that picture of the thorn in the flesh. Viktor Frankl said he could determine if somebody would die in the concentration camp by a 24-hour period simply because they started to smoke cigarettes. He said you don't smoke cigarettes, you use them to barter. They were what we use for money. And if somebody started smoking the cigarettes, that means they had given up. They had no hope left. And he was able to show and say, that person over there, they began smoking. They won't make it till tomorrow night. And sure enough, he was correct. What happens in our system when we lose hope or live in anger? Well, we can look at it from a scientific standpoint. Here are some studies about the immune system and take an understanding of this and why it's so important, again, to live with that sense of expectation and hope and joy and peace in Christ. Think about this. One minute of anger depresses the immune system for six hours. On the other end, one minute of laughter boosts the immune system 24 hours. 
just one minute of anger, six hours that chemical imbalance is in your system. But, you know, laughter, joy, hope can improve your health, boost your immune system for 24 hours. Children laugh an average of 4,400 times a day. For adults, the number drops down to 40. And again, a lot of people say, you know, as I get older, I lose energy. I don't feel so well anymore. We can start to take a look at some of these things about the joy in life. You know, we enter in again to this busy season and a lot of people have stress and that stress damages the immune system and then they eat very badly. And then you can start to see while there are predictions that people are going to be sick and they might say it's a a difficult flu season. The reality is so much of what happens is our, our own immune system gets compromised if we get overwhelmed about the season that we're in and even outside the season we're in to be in that place of overwhelm. As Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. So back to Paul, chapter 12, he talks about, he's writing to the church in Corinth. They had a lot of arrogance. And he says, if you think you can be arrogant, let me give you an understanding of what's taking place in my spiritual life. And so Paul says, I could talk about visions and revelations I received from Jesus. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. He's talking about himself. Paul would wrestle with times of beatings and imprisonment. And at one point he was hit with stones as they stoned him. And so he talks about the the pain he suffered and what he went through. And he says, I could boast about all these things and be arrogant. I've got these revelations. I've seen the third heaven. And then he says this, I was caught up to paradise, heard inexpressible things, things no one is permitted to tell. And what does he say in response to this? I have nothing in myself to boast about. He's simply saying I could compared to the things that are being said in Corinth. But he says the reality, none of us can boast. We simply rest and trust our life in Christ. A lot of people wonder what the thorn in the flesh was for Paul. He says it's a messenger of Satan, but what he meant specifically, we simply don't know. Some think it was a wrestling he had with his past. He had a very violent past. Some think he was haunted by that still. Others think he wrestled with anger. And you'll see some of that as he writes in his letters. At one point, he and John Mark had a falling out. And he said he's not mature enough. Later, they were reconciled. Others think he had a thorn in the flesh physically, from all the punishment he received at the hands of the religious leaders that beat him and whipped him. And so the infirmities that he had, losing eyesight, hard to walk, all the pain in his body. We simply don't know, but that's not what he wanted us to know because we all have a thorn in the flesh. And it may be different today than it was six months ago. But the reality is what he says is, In all his arrogance, he learned humility, and that humility was taught because he had that thorn in the flesh. Owens puts it well, David Owens, as hard as it might be for us to understand, one of the most important spiritual lessons God can teach, our greatest weakness can turn out to be our greatest strength. Our greatest loss 
can turn out to be our greatest gain. Our greatest suffering can turn out to be our greatest blessing. Here's somebody who knows that, lived that, Joni Erickson Tata. Many know her from reading her books. She might remember as a teenager, she was swimming, dove into a pool. She hit the bottom and was paralyzed, broke her neck, has been paralyzed since. Over the years, she's written books. She taught herself to paint, holding a paintbrush with just her teeth. She's gone around the world to encourage people that even though you have challenges that may seem insurmountable, you can have joy unspeakable in Christ. She met this person here, Corey Ten Boom, somebody else that went through challenges surviving concentration camps, but losing most of her family to those same places. One day she got to sit down with Corey Ten Boom, and Corey was at the end of her life, had suffered strokes, was not doing well physically, and Joni Erickson Tata writes this, I recall our eyes met as we were fed sandwiches, helpless, for the most part dependent. I felt our mutual weakness, but I am certain neither of us had ever felt stronger. It makes me think of the cross of Christ, a symbol of weakness, humiliation, at the same time, though, a symbol of victory and strength. So, back to the Wall Street study. If you make 50000 per year, you are in the top 1% of earners worldwide. If you make 25000 a year, you're in the top 2%. Do we come day to day in Christ with a sense of gratitude and hope and thanksgiving? As has been well said, a pauper in one place, a prince in another part of the world. How do we see life day to day? Do we stop and say, let me give thanks because I have all things in Christ and in Him I have the greatest treasure anyone could find. This was fascinating. An interview I was listening to, Francisco Contreras, his father, a doctor, went to Turkey and there's just very just spare remains of a hospital built in 300 BC, and it was students of Hippocrates. And the archaeologist explained to the tour group, this area here is where the patient entered, and they were diagnosed physically. They'd walk a little further, enter into this room, and it was here they would be diagnosed emotionally. They'd go a little bit further, to a third room and be diagnosed spiritually. Once they had the physical and emotional and spiritual understanding, they would then have a recommendation for the, for the health of the patient. He said what was so fascinating though is there was a tunnel where the patient then would leave the hospital and unbeknownst to them, as they walked through this tunnel, a person on the outside they couldn't see was slowly walking in step and praying, you will be healed. You will be healed. Francisco was so moved by this. He came back to the hospital he worked at here in the States, said we should do this, and he was fired. And he said, you know, we spend so much time focusing on the physical, the material, where our attention needs to be and include and prioritize the spiritual life, the emotional life. 
as well as the physical. There are those who see, those who see when they are shown, and those who do not see. Paul continues, he asked the thorn be removed three times he prayed. And he writes this in verse 9, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Some of the most hope-filled words in all of history. You know what, Lord? I don't have the strength on my own. Perfect. My grace is sufficient. I don't have all the answers. Perfect. My grace is sufficient. The holidays are difficult. It's not the same anymore. My grace is sufficient. He continues, my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, that's why Paul listed all those spiritual heights and said, because of all that, I learned humility from that thorn in the flesh, so I wouldn't boast in myself. And that's why he's so excited. Because he says, you know, because when I'm weak, I see Jesus more clearly. When I don't have the strength, Jesus works in me all the more. And so Paul says, I want to have that weakness so I see more of him working in my life. Bruce Leonard said, there's only one way to really rise above the challenges of life. That is to deepen your relationship with Christ. This is Joe Esterhaz. I'll share a little bit more about him in just a moment. Wonderful book, Cross Bearer. Recommend it. And he shares in the book, you know, he was a writer in Hollywood, did some screenplays and made a lot of money. He said this though, 40 years later, has a picture in his office of his high school. But he says it's not what you might think. It's an actually, it's a picture of when they knocked the high school down and it's a, a picture of the rubble. And he went on to share, he had some bullies in high school and some struggles with the emotion, the charge behind that, the anger. And again, when we come to life and say, you know what, Lord, here's a place where I have a deep need. Perfect. My strength is perfected in your weakness. There's a well-known story about Rudyard Kipling who wrote The Jungle Book. Some students from Oxford saw a report. He made basically a dollar a word writing. It's a lot of money. You go back to the early 1900s, even more so. So some students wrote him and said, we understand you make a dollar per word. What is one best word you would give us? Recently, Cork Milner did the same thing and took a dollar and wrote letters to authors and said, in giving an understanding and to celebrate Rudyard Kipling's life, here's a dollar. What's your one best word? Here's some of the answers. Art Butchwald Love, Norman Mailer, Excelsior, Leon Uris, Shalom, and Charles Schultz of Peanuts said rats. But it's an interesting question. What's your one best word when you talk about your faith life? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's passion. Maybe it's patience. What would your one best word be for Paul? One of those he highlights along with grace is weakness. 
to say, when I'm weak, then I find strength because I see Jesus more clearly being that strength in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. Norman Schwarzkopf followed a general for three years when he was going up the ranks. One day they went to a meeting, all these complicated discussions about overhauling the military, all these high-ranking officers there. They had been working on plans for each branch for a year, and they sat down, gave their plans to the general. He said, I have an hour. At the end of the hour, he said, we're going to use plan A. Everybody left and said, thank you, sir. And Schwarzkopf looked at the general and said, permission to speak, sir. And the general said, sure. And Schwarzkopf said, general, these are experts. They've worked on this for a year. They don't even understand how to implement the plan or what are the consequences of it. You listen for an hour. You can't possibly understand. Why did you choose option A? And the general said, I made a decision because we won't know what is the right decision until we move forward. When you make the decision, then you can start putting into action the steps. Maybe it's the wrong decision. We won't know till we try. Maybe it's the right decision, but you have to make the decision. Same for us in life. It's been well said. We don't live with fear. Fear gets resolved. What we live with is anxiety, that low-level stuff people are so caught up in that comes out as anger and upset that we're seeing so often in our culture. How do you eliminate that low-level stuff? You make a decision. You don't sit on the fence. Schwarzkopf said, how do you know which decision to make? The general said, do the right thing. So it is for us. Christ needs to be that first decision, but then we need to make that decision to follow him and to be obedient to him and to be like Paul to say, let me glory in that weakness where I see the strength of Jesus more evident. We close here, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I will boast therefore and gladly boast about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. Different than most people in the world, but that's the call for us. Let me boast gladly when I'm weak because that's when Christ's power rests on me. And that's the greatest thing of all. By the way, Rudyard Kipling, his one best word, thanks. Thanks. I will boast be thankful where I'm weak because there Jesus is more evident than I'm strong. Joe Esteraz again wrote a number of screenplays. Most of them were violent, had dark themes, interviewed serial killers to learn more about violence, wrote movies like Basic Instinct. It said that his movies grossed over a billion dollars. He himself Talked about the drinking and multiple affairs, a lot of challenges in life that he faced with anger and upset over the years. And then about 15 years ago, he got cancer. And he talked about moving back to Ohio, back to a place that he had spent some years growing up, going through recovery, weak, couldn't talk, carried a chalkboard around to write on, 
One day he was out, upset, feeling the hopelessness of his situation, sat down on a curb. He said he heard a voice as he was sitting there, hardly able to breathe, couldn't talk. He said that voice was me praying, God help me. And he went on to say that moment there was this incredible spiritual awakening and the peace of God overwhelming. And so he's left that life behind in Hollywood and now serves as a lay minister in a church. But here's what he wrote. It's probably the most desolate moment of my life. A block away from here, I sat down on a curb, sweating, shaking, trying to get the bugs out of my face, trying to breathe properly, and I started to cry. This is how I found God, or how God found me. There are those who see. There are those who see when they are shown. There are those who do not see. May we have eyes wide open. Boast all the more gladly in times of weakness. So Christ's power may rest on us.